What's going on guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats. My name is John Kroom. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. It really helps out a lot. And uh, yeah, anyways, let's dive into the third episode of the Olympic Takeover. And uh, Johnny has pretty much stolen this entire podcast, but he got Medi Corey on the podcast. Team Sprint coach for the Dutch, used to work for GB. And yeah, we sit down and talk everything Team Sprint. Sprint and uh much more and uh yeah it's a pretty fun chat um it's literally just them explaining team sprint and kind of what it looks like and kind of predictions and what's all going to happen and with the team sprint going on today i thought ah what the heck why not let's go ahead and release this episode so anyways please sit back relax and enjoy this episode and uh yeah let's go ahead and dive into it this episode is also brought to you by spot guys the world is starting to open up with everybody doing their part and getting vaccinated, which also means that more people are out there doing those adventures that you love to do as well, which also leaves more room for accidents. So if you're not covered by Spot, I don't know what you're doing. Spot is a zero deductible accident injury insurance that covers active people. So that means if you go out on a hike and uh, you trip and you fall and you dislocate your knee or break your collarbone or whatever, you would be covered up to $20,000 no deductible. That means you will pay nothing out of pocket. So toppling that on top of your injury insurance or your uh, health insurance, you're pretty much covered. You won't pay anything out of pocket. So all you need to do is go to croom.getspot.com. That's croom.getspot.com today to check it out. They don't only just cover cycling. They cover just about anything. If you cut your finger off in the kitchen, covered. If you get trampled by your dog, covered. I don't know. I'm just naming random things. It's accident insurance. So go check them out at croom.getspot.com. That's croom.getspot.com. There's also a link in the description below. This episode is also brought to you by Colorado Ski Shop. Colorado Ski Shop is a family business that started in 1994 and has 20 plus years of online shopping experience. Colorado Ski Shop is built of skiers, cyclists, and everything in between. They want to get you set on the right gear for your adventures. And as we all know, it's been super hard to get bike parts. So all you need to do is go to coloradoskishop.com and check out their lineup of bike accessories, ski accessories, and much more. Also, they've just launched a brand new website. And in celebrating that, they're offering all new and returning customers 10% off their next purchase with using promo code COFFEECHAT10 at checkout. This will also get you free shipping in the US as well as a free binding mount if you buy their ski package. So check them out at coloradoskishop.com. That's coloradoskishop.com. Use code COFFEECHAT10 at checkout. The link will also be in the description below. This episode is also made possible by Twisted Spoke Apothecary. Guys, if you haven't already, you need to check out Twisted Spoke Apothecary. They make some of the best CBD oil that I've ever used and they've recently come out with the nighttime tincture which uh, does its job. It literally puts you right to sleep and you have some of the best sleep and recovery for the next day. And uh, yeah, they also have this chamois cream that's infused with a little bit of CBD oil, which helps me ride for the longest amount of times. I even used it in this week's Unbound Gravel. And uh, yeah, it was it was perfect. It's exactly what I needed. So all you have to do is go to twistedspokeapothecary.com, use code CROOM10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. That's CROOM10 at twistedspokeapothecary.com. This episode's also brought to you by Bike Hardcore. Guys, you've heard me talk about this time and time again. If you don't have Bike Hardcore already, I don't know what you're doing. If you're riding around with a dirty bike, that's totally your fault. You listen to this podcast and 
I give you the opportunity. All you have to use do is use code CROOM10 at checkout. That gives you 10% off your first order to clean your bike today. They also offer a few other products, which is Swexy Clean, which I use to clean out my helmet. But it, yeah, it's it's pretty nice. So all you have to do is go to bikehardcore.com. That's bikehardcore.com and check out their starter package and they'll give you everything that you need. And I think it retails at somewhere around 50 bucks. That's it. And you'll have enough stuff to clean your bike for a couple months and you'll have all the cool tools that you will need. So go check them out at bikehardcore.com. That's bikehardcore.com. That's bikehardcore.com. Right, short intro to Medi. Um, so obviously we're, we're, this episode's about team sprint. Uh, men's and women's and like we might dribble a little bit into sort of individual match sprinting and Kieran but uh sort of it's a sort of a general outline to team sprinting for people so imagine we're talking to avid cyclists who haven't got a clue what team sprint is um, I know a few of my friends that have sort of messaged that don't really do a lot of track have sort of described track as this little niche little world that nobody knows about except for those are in it but um hopefully we can expand on that today so uh, we've got Medi Cordy here, um, Mr. Mr. Prison Big, the original one. Um, he's done a lot of uh, cool stuff in the past. Uh, we're actually going to do a longer episode on Medi because he is, has done literally done that much stuff. Um, space physiologist, that's a little spoiler. Um, but for now, we just want to focus on team sprinting, that's right. Um, he's done a PhD in team sprint. Uh, physiological determinants of peak power output in sprint cycling. Um, not read many PhDs, but I think it's actually, if you actually want to dig it out and slide into Medi's DMs and ask him, there's a, the introduction section particularly is very good for trying information. But anyway, enough of me, go and talk, Medi. You should be my seller or publisher, John. No. <laughs> oh, but I want 25% then. <laughs> oh, it's much less than I thought. Yeah, you're in. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what is team sprint? Thank you for having me on. Firstly, thank you, thank you for having me on. Uh, what is team sprints? Um, it is the uh, Olympic blue ribbon sprint event um, for men and women, uh, and it's the closest thing we have to a time trial. Well, actually, it is a time trial, but it's uh, currently, as this is being recorded, we're in Tokyo. Um, the format is a three-man team sprint and a two-woman team sprint. Um, after the original 1.0 Tokyo Olympics, it was supposed to and has gone to a, a three-rider event for both uh, sexes. But obviously, as uh, Tokyo was postponed for Tokyo alone, it's going to carry on as a two-rider format for the women. So, putting it briefly, it's um, you start with a set number of riders. So, like I said, um, currently for men, it's uh, three. And there's actually current three riders for women, but for Tokyo, it's two. Um, and you go off in sequential order, or you line up at the same line, but you have a starter comes out of the gate, and the remaining riders follow the starter. And each rider does a lap. And after they've completed their lap, they peel off, and the next person continues. And the time stops after the last rider crosses the line. Now, that's in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the idea is you want to get off as fast as you can. And the remaining riders get on the starter's wheel um, to save energy through um, the drag reduction that's provided from the starter. 
on the person in front of them and then that gives them uh, more energy or, or more power reserve or even call it on their term how, how much is that a thing because like i mean obviously if you i say when i watch it it just looks like there's three massive blokes just hacking it around as hard as they can how much is there sort of much tactics involved in that or uh, tactics it, almost non-existent because it's kind of a time trial and you can't every rider currently has to do a lap so for me i actually think to make the, inter- the event more interesting we just have whatever you can peel off whenever you want just the, the third rider just has to get to the line first sorry and that's when the time stops however current rules are um every rider has to do a lap um and it's particularly the further you go down the the, the sequence of riders the more important it is to get on the wheel because you're going at quite high accelerations and speeds you want to conserve as much energy as possible to keep that speed high when you're delivered. So the, the critical one really is man three, or actually rider three, with, with women being involved as well, where, because the starter obviously has no one to chase, so they have to do their lap by themselves. The second rider usually can give themselves a little bit of a, a gap, rush it in the home straight, so seldom are they really dropped but it's the third rider who usually pedals a bigger gear to have more efficiency to that if they are, uh, can get in the wheel in the draft, it will really, really sort of help their performance when they're delivered for their lap. So I, I, you always hear that on commentary. You always like, so if, if like when the man, man or rider ones always go off and like fat shit crazy at the gate and like they can be <laughs> 10, 15 meters in front of the second, second person, aren't they? And like, but yes, the by halfway, like, yes. They're, they're, they're rushing the gap well. I'm like, is that, is that a thing? You know, like, I mean, I know they're going to break the wind a bit, but would it be more efficient for them to be sort of right on the wheel? No. Um, so it, it is conceptually, yes. But in, in reality, no. So what happens is if you try and get on their wheel, you're obviously trying to go their speed and the man one actually slows down going in uh, to the completion of their lap. So what you want to do is time it perfectly that you're accelerating using their wind shadow. But as they're getting out of the way, completing their lap, they deliver you or you're at the the optimum or highest speed when it comes to your lap. So it's definitely a thing. Having said that, you know, man twos or rider twos can still get dropped. So when there's a massive (laughs) gap, but basically if there's a gap more than a bike length, from the front of the starter, something's not quite right. Yeah, and you 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 probably say you you do the exchange on the sort of on the straight, don't you? And there's I remember there was a lot of sort of controversy around in London Olympics, was it with Victoria? Yes, Nelson with Victoria. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, of... so old school, old school. Well, it feels like not so long ago, but the old school uh, uh, exchange was you couldn't have an overlap of the bike at all uh, and you have to be directly behind them now it's just the lap um, or the exchange simply means the rider in front of you has to go past the, the pursuit line or the, the, the line that you start at or the times taken at mm. uh, first so they, they can peel off get out of the way 
and go through the line first so their wheels has to go through before yours so there is a crossover and it makes it that much clearer i think that was a good rule change because it just um it stops people arguing about you know that so and so's tire was over so and so's you know rear wheel or whatever so it just makes it clear as day and easily um digestible yeah yeah Yeah. it, it always uh it always tickles me when you get the riders that are peeling off who do the sort of the, the sprint lunch line. Yeah, <laughs> it's like... exactly. It's actually my favourite. You can, you can see them, those who lunge just coming out the corner. And it's like, dude, like, it, a lunge is really good if you can time it right. But, uh, <laughs> like, you've got to time it right or it's actually it's worse. Yeah, yeah, because always like, you're like, your race is done, mate. You're, you're, you're halfway up the track now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After, after that personal I, I, I uh, PB. I do, I do find that a weird thing because obviously it's a team sprint and it really shouldn't matter, but I think everyone wants to get the fastest time. So it's more of, a, I guess, a personal thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless there's someone really coming through and you're just like, <laughs> oh dear. I <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I suppose, so I suppose what's confusing for that is why, why is the man one slowing down? Because the the speed curve, if you were like, for the event is it sort of the man one is maximally accelerating and parking a bit, but then man two is able to continue the acceleration on his lap, and he generally reaches the peak speed of the event, doesn't he? Yes. And then so, man three like, is just yeah. hanging on for a grim death at the end. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. That's a very very good lay basic. Uh, team sprint profile that you've just described there. So it, it is simply the man one tries to get you up to speed as quickly as possible while conserving as much energy for everyone else as possible, really. Um, so you just get up to speed because if if the man one can do all the, the hard work for man two, it can deliver him and give him a nice platform to build off. Whereas, you know, and, and, and that's why I always say not all lap times are equal. So if one person goes from the start to the half lap, a man one, or sorry, a rider one, trying to be a thing equal here, um, to the half lap, say two tenths quicker, but then delivers them the, the second half of the lap two tenths slower, that's actually not as productive for the second rider as if it was the other way around. So if they got to the half lap, uh, two tenths slower, but then deliver two tenths quicker. But generally speaking, as you want to overcome all the forces as quickly as possible, the acceleration is is really the, the most, uh, I guess, important determinant of performance in team sprint. Okay, so it's just getting up as big as you can. So that is that. Um, yeah. And they're using different gears for the different riders across the team. Is that allowing them to continue the acceleration? Yeah. So, so going back to your point on tactics, uh, there, uh, I said there isn't, but the strategies you you can be somewhat varied in strategies. So, um, you can, you know, let, let's assume all riders are equal at position one, two, and three. You can gear up a rider to help man two and three get on the wheel or get in the right position. Let's just say. And deliver a bit faster, or you can gear down to get them out quicker, um, and going into some very very basic science here. Like the bigger the gear, the less fatigue the uh, rate of fatigue there is per pedal revolution. So ideally, you want to go off on the bigger gear as possible. 
Um, but obviously you have to balance that with being able to actually get up to speed with the rest of the pack. Mm. So there is, there is, there's no tactics, but there is a slight strategy, but not to the level of say team pursuit. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it sounds sort of it's similar, isn't it? It's just it's delivery velocity is the sort of the key determinant for sort of the ones and twos, isn't it? That's, it's I guess pure, so. Yeah, pure I mean, team roles, isn't things. it? Yeah, I mean, if you get into the finer details, there are other things that do involve. But you know, generally speaking, it's basically <laughs> the biggest determinant of performance is. You know, how quickly can you get up to speed, and then how how well can you hold it? Mm. So uh, that that's really dumbing it down, but a basic take on everything. But yeah, you're pretty much behind on. And were there were there three different riders? What are they? I'm I you, you talk in layman's term, but I am layman in a lot of this team sprinty bits. But like, is there what are the physiologies different in there? Like, are the you get you tend like in team pursuit, like traditionally you've had like a man one. You know, team suit riders who's generally more sort of sprinty, anaerobic-y than you'll get in the more aerobic boys higher up the track. Is that sort of? Do you get that sort of similar sort of spectrum for a team sprint? Um, it's changed a bit recently, like a little bit. But generally, the bigger units are at the back at three, so the the bigger lumps who. Um, who, who are generally stronger and have sort of higher body masses. Um, and like the people with higher power or torque to, to body mass are generally kind of close to the front. Now, more and more recently, you're seeing people who can kind of do everything. So, um, well, yeah, there are quite a few riders out there. For example, Vigier, he's quite good at one, two, and three. Um, so is Hoogland. Probably, you know, the Fraser, Owens, Kenny, Carlin, but they are, you know, they're all very kind of versatile riders. So it's really just finding out, really, like who have you got to work with, and finding out like which piece of the puzzle fit best. Yeah. Rather than just. Sorry, go on. No, I was just saying, like, generally speaking, like if you if you're doing like a. Um, a very very typical club team sprint which there aren't many of by the way you know you just get like the shorter nippier guy you know we just look at them and go oh he's short and nippy and hasn't got much weight on him you stick him on one um you stick the all-round athlete at two and then the, kilo the large person yeah yeah the kilo, the kilo or the road rider at the back. You you want to be a sprinter, but you're not actually that good at starting, so I'll stick you at three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen you on the road. You're at three. Yeah. Um, like generally, I again, I've sort of seen the trend of younger riders being at one, and then as their as their career progresses, they sort of move up the line. I mean, I think Jason stands out to me of I think he was a man, he was a man one in. Which one was it? Beijing? Was he, was he around in Beijing? No, it was, it was two in Beijing. It was two in Beijing. And then he trialled a bit at one because I think they needed a starter going into London. Mm-hmm. And then Phil came along and then everyone just shifted across one. Um, yeah, sorry. That's what, so was, it, was your question, sorry. That, but is that, is that, that like basically... a sort of transition as sort of riders get further into their careers while they sort of generally progress up the track? Uh, no. So, for a great example, 
I would say actually no, but people, particularly in the three rider event, the starter has become more of a speciality. So there's, you know, I mean, 10 years ago, uh, Gregory Bourget, I mean, 10, geez, like six years ago, he was world champion at man one and match sprint, individual sprint. Um, I think the only other person who can has that type of potential, if she kind of hasn't already realised it, is uh, Friedrich of Germany. She's she's a she runs a crazy fast two hundred and starts really well as well. So I'm interested to see how her career project uh, sort of that sort of um, that sort of different ends of the sort of pedaling dynamics, isn't it? It's got sort of the it's it's all about the torque on that sort of first. Six revs, should we say? Yeah. So uh, yeah. Sorry, I, I was kind of like <laughs> you're just just talking shop there. I'm failing to kind of break it down a bit. So like the a starter kind of has a much lighter gear, um, more explosive, and gets up to I think they they they, they finish the lap at like 145 rpm. So you get from zero to 145 rpm in like 17, 18 seconds, um, and the 200 meter time trials three laps winding it up on a much bigger gear um because you have more run at it and then you dive down the track and that's generally bigger gear you need a lot more strength and to be a match sprinter now you have to be able to go long and short which is what friedrich does so um you know particularly in this day and age they're quite um polar opposites being a, a starter in a team sprint and having the properties to do well in the individual event. Okay, is that, so we're sort of seeing, what you're saying is in the sort of future, you're going to get guys that just specialise at man one and that's their sort of niche little role. Well, I think, I think we've already seen that, we're seeing that, and I think, you know, Gregory Bourget was the last one, uh, and I think Friedrich is an exception to the rule um, for the women. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, because it would, it would just make things a bit more interesting. Um, but to give the, the listeners a bit more of an insight, um, it's the Blue Ribbon event. It's the one that um, the Olympics and the IOC and the UCI hold dearest in the sprint um, in the sprint races out of three medals uh, or events. So much so that if you qualify team sprint, you get two spots for each individual event. So it's just if you qualify that, you can already enter two riders into the individual events, like no qualifying necessary. Whereas if you don't, you have to qualify each spot individually, which is a lot hard. And and the team sprint spots take a lot higher priority than individual qualifications for the nation. So they sort of that's where they're that's yeah. the where you put your eggs in your basket, isn't it? You just yeah get it through the interesting also as well like i think you know the 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 team events or the time trial events are supposedly more predictable so you have more control over them but um all the incentive is there to do the the team team events it's pretty grim being a man you know a a starter isn't it like like literally all you do is starts like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i hate starts. i just do a lap no but but i think i think people don't realize that being a man or rider one is a big, big niche thing. Like it is tough mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, 
and it's not just someone who can just knock out world record times you know, for fun or do these crazy splits because you know whatever it's it takes a lot on on the body mentally emotionally and you have to get everything right you know and, and every pedal revolution has to be right they're probably like so they're, a, they're, yeah. they're the nearest example to a hundred meter sprinter aren't they because it, it's it's pure bang and park it whereas i sort of see the other sort of sprinters are like if you think like a match sprint or a kieran it's still quite a you know it's a 40 50 second event they're doing yeah I, I, yeah i guess if you want to compare it to athletics yeah the the starter is a is basically a, yeah a hundred meter runner who is solely a hundred meter runner and then you have the the two and three are kind of like a hybrid of a 200 meter relay specialist yeah because you can fit in like the four by one to 200 and you know if you really need to into a 400 <laughs> but you have to ask really nicely <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and like how much does the track help because they always talk on um team pursuit of the sort of you get like a start buffer by rolling down the, you know like part of the help from that is you sort of roll down the track effectively you get that free energy basically because you are literally well, it, it depends how good your starters are um so if you're at position three so you you're lined up um starters on the black line which is the 250 meter line and then you're lined up next to each other so two is next to three no sorry two is next to the right hand side of one and three is on the right hand side of two and like you as a man three for also a rider three for example trying to get on the wheel is like your your main target so if the, if the starter's gone like a bat out of hell and so is two you just drop down as quickly as possible but if you can hang on and hold some height you can use the track going into the corner just to kind of usher your way in and uh, conserve yeah. more energy yeah but the track is more about in my opinion like it, it it just helps the splits in, in any kind of, or affects the times, shall I say, because bigger bends, tighter bends, means that you can bowl around really, really good and then really, really fast, lower center of gravity, uh, pulling to the left. And whereas sort of really long straights and really sort of shallow bends just aren't very good for, for time uh, or splits. Well, fast time, sure. So. It's probably save people that like you don't realize that velodromes aren't the same shape. Um, yeah, and you know what was interesting here, like in, in Tokyo, um, the a lot of people use the um, marks on the track to get times. So, for example, from the start line, or so the pursuit line, or the team sprint start line. The 200 meter line is typically 65 meters in most of the tracks, apart from this one. So you know, if you, we measured it out and it was nowhere near. So yeah, it's even is the it, geometry. Is that because Tokyo's got tight bends, long bends, long straights? Like talk talk about that. Is, is it kind of like longest straights and very very tight high bends? Like it's an amazing track for like. To be fair to them, it's it's a really really good pedal I've been really impressed with it. That's cool. The, the it, technical aspects, I don't it, know what it's it, like. It, you know, it, it's mad that they're so different. Like, I mean, they, I know there's 
in swimming like the everything is so well controlled of like the depth across and like the spare lane like you go to a swimming pool and a swimming pool is a swimming pool at that olympic level whereas like i just, I just couldn't believe it so we obviously for the back in kgf days we've done all our training on derby which is a wonderful <laughs> velodrome but it slows out <laughs> like, those, the, those bends last forever like i just can't ride derby hate it don't like it but then you rock They're quite up shallow to, beds, aren't they? As well. Yeah, yeah. Nice it, ones, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't give you anything. But then you rock up to Manchester and it's like, it's just a different shape. You know, you're like, you sort of... Yeah, oh, even, I wouldn't mean, say even Manchester isn't particularly sort of high type bends either. And you know, I mean, you can, if you do a bit more research, like, there, there, there are two or three architects or designers, whatever you want to call them, who design these velodromes. And they all have their own kind of signature style. Um... But it's interesting, yeah, yeah. But even you know, the only thing you can bank on though is half laps. You know, they're, they're the same distance, no matter what. <laughs> you hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. The last one I checked. Maybe that's why everyone's going so fast. It's actually like two hundred forty-nine meters long track. <laughs> yeah, that would make a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but there must be some of that. Like, I'm definitely getting the tape measure out next time we go to one of these tracks. You can like. I know. So when we're in one of the training camps. You know, I, I was banging out some theories and going, no, this is the line that I was talking about. And no, no, it's not. It's not the same. The point where we got one of those wheel measures things, measured it out, and I was the same. Oh, no, that's not. So got a tape measure out and measured like every... And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy like how some don't look the same and are identical and vice versa. I know Dan's done some sort of three. They they got they three D scanned Derby Velodrome because they, they just couldn't understand what was going on in some of the Malaysian sprint data. So they literally Vorsight brought the three D scanner and just scanned the whole track. They had the <laughs> they made like a sort of CAD model of Derby and they're like, oh, there's the bump, there's the bump. <laughs> so you talked about briefly at the start about sort of the women's event changing from two riders to three riders. How do you think that's going to change things? Because obviously, right, the obvious is an extra rider every every nation needs. Yes, um, I think it will favour the bigger nations um, who just simply have more riders from an event point of view. And I'm just really excited because I think um, a three rider event for the women's team sprint is exactly what it needs. Because currently, it's really really favouring just basically if you've got a really fast starter two really fast starters that's all you need whereas it adds kind of a different dimension of just like you know you can't just bash out the gate rush the gap and you know and, and do a, a lap it requires an extra layer or an extra lap which requires a different kind of physiology so uh, i'm really looking forward to seeing what it can bring um you know there's there's been a one or two team sprint events like i think at euros was one in, in uh, Bulgaria, um, I think there was a, there was a mix of results, but I I think there will be a massive steep change in in times, um, which is obvious because it's a new event. But I'm really looking forward to see like what what it normalises as, and you know, we'll look back in ten years time and go, look, hopefully we'll look back in team sprint now and go, those times are <laughs> dog slow. Um, a bit like yeah, the women's, I could, women's I, team pursuit times, isn't it? Like if you look at the the time that won gold at London when they did, you know, girls used to do three k in the team pursuit in London, 
And like, you look, you talk, talk to the girls now about that. They're like, how were we, how were we so shit back then? You know? Yeah, no, but it's, it's, it's it crazy. I was, I, was actually, I was talking to one of the, um, one of the uh, members of staff who was around like 2004 for New Zealand. And he was just saying, you know, Ryan Bailey was you know, jumping to light speed at, you know, with the rider two time of like 12.7 and no one could believe it. And yeah, so, and, and now like, it's like, if someone rides a 12.7, like, dude, did you get dropped or something, you know? <laughs> so um, it's, it's, I'm just really looking forward to seeing what the event, normalizes to and just looking back in like you know a, a decade or half a decade's time and just sort of compare and go wow that was slow <laughs> how, how how's that going to affect their training like obviously do you like you said is you've got if you just got two sort of starters effectively they're going to have to sort of do oh, this is bro science but you're going to have to do some longer efforts like, like... <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 honestly i think it depends on the coach and the program or the philosophy or whatever jargon you want to attach to it it just depends like i think uh some programs will just carry on and just go well yeah if you can get on the wheel of one rider you can get on the wheel of two riders and take it from there i mean there's a go to some sort of science nerdy data or or literature there are some scientists who believe just get your peak power right and, and as high as possible, and the rest will look after itself. Um, the other people who just say, yeah, uh, you need endurance, um, what endurance looks like for different coaches and programs and riders is completely different. So I actually think there'll be a mixed mash of things. And again, it'll probably all sort of, actually, no, I don't think it'll merge into one. Um, but as long as if the coaches, or program stick by that philosophy and not change it. It will just always kind of be the same. And will it? Will it? You know, in sort of six, seven, eight years' time, are we going to see different girls coming through programs and succeeding that traditionally wouldn't? Um, for team sprint. Yeah, because obviously, if you're saying uh, that, if you're pure, that pure starter, and you for the men, you're saying it's it's you know the, that man wanted a niche role, and then the threes are you know they're bigger, chunkier lads that can carry more weight what could roll the bigger gear is that is that going to sort of cross over to the women um no no uh because i think for example like if you look at jeffrey Hooland, he he can open up in a 17-1 if he wants to so he's a big guy we've all done so that. he certainly has um more than <laughs> me um and uh, it just depends. So, for example, you know, the, the, the British team have exceptionally high relative power to mass. Um, and, you know, as long as they keep recruiting those kind of people, that's what you'll get anyway. So that's what you have to work with. Mm. Whereas, you know, a, you know, another nation might recruit a different way. Um, I don't think, I think because the start is such an important determinant, of the actual performance of either of any position, sorry, mm-hmm. you have to start well. So I just think they'll you know, kind of what the British system kind of is doing now. A lot of systems of the path, which is emphasising the start a lot more. Whereas previously it was just like, okay, you're going at three, and the start will be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, whereas they're actually building people up through the program, 
uh, with starts. And I think you know the, the Kiwis, the Aussies are doing that and stuff like that. And so obviously, like, the, the stupid one that I've not mentioned is that you, you you get a handheld start from two and three, don't you? Whereas yes. it's, you're in the start gate for the one. Like, and I know from my sort of team pursuit experience, like you get some fruity start holders at these big events. Oh yes. <laughs> And I, I wouldn't fancy holding Jeff. <laughs> Bizarrely, like Jeff is one of the least uh, fussiest starters. He's right. um, like I've held him in some really weird position before. He hasn't said anything. Um, so actually, he's just—he hasn't said anything to you. <laughs> yeah, actually, he hasn't anything to me. But he, um, but he's he's a person just like yeah, that's good enough, whatever, and smashes it out so he's not um i'll actually say he's one of the easier people to hold is that but, but you get a lot from the gate don't you it, it depends how you start so it, like you know I've, I've held people who have basically come through systems and programs just coming out the gate and the gate you can use to your advantage if you want so you can you know Again, this is really, really basic. You can ricochet out the gate if you time it well. And you know, one one person I was used to watch from the videos it was Craig Mack. He was a he he's tried everything. I thought it was brilliant, and he was quite an innovator in his field, like ripping it, bouncing in and out, not bouncing out. But generally, people have a routine. But the start is is a bit more forgiving. That if you try the same technique with. Uh, you know, a commissaire holding you, you will not get away with it. So it's, it's, if you're a skilled rider for sure, you have two techniques. Okay. And is that sort of, that's part of the reason why the two struggle to get on the ones, is it? Because they, they don't have that advantage of the gate. That's a really good question. I'd be really interested to know if you line up three gates and you can just, you know, ricochet, I mean, no, not ricochet, but use a, use the start gate to your advantage, would that, would that be the, something that would uh, you know, uh, mitigate a poor start at two and three? You're going to have to work fast know. to get those gates off the track. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's more of that. I'll be, Approximately I'll be 18 seconds. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you've got, well, if it's, if it's 1v1, you've got about uh, 10 seconds to oh, get yeah. them all off. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it'd be an interesting experiment but I wouldn't probably do it at a race. <laughs> <laughs> That's curious. And do you get some guys that are just like, I'm a, I'm a world, I'm one of the best in the world from a handheld start, but I just can't, I just don't get that magic from the gate. Um, cause I remember from swimming, this is many, many years ago. Cause obviously like a relay start in swimming is you, you, you can use your momentum on the blocks and swing it. You sort of, you predict the start in swimming, um, which is a bit different, but you, you get a, some people can have a, a really good start from the relay. Whereas I, I, I just did a start, you know, I, I always used to sort of go off first on the relays because I, in, um, when you're in that sort of static hold and go position, I just didn't get any benefit from swinging as mm-hmm. much as I tried. Um, maybe that's more a level of my swimming versus. <laughs> um, don't know. Uh, I've put it this way. Uh, there's only a handful of riders I've seen do that, like two or three, mm. who can start. Um, no, no, actually, like, if you can start well out of the hand, like really well, you can start well out of the gate. 
Yeah. But not vice versa. But you can do it vice versa, but it doesn't necessarily mean if you start one out of the gate, you can start one out of the hand. Mm. That's a little project for you when you get back. I want a Medicordi handheld versus gate start. Well, I've got two handheld stars. There's a morale star, which basically you can hold them really tight and make it like almost like a gate. Um, and then you've got like the, the commissaire start where you just basically just wobble all over the place. Wibbly so wobbly. we'll start on the morale start and then we'll work our way to the, uh, <laughs> the, the commissaire start. Do, do, you reckon, do you reckon that's something that ever happens where the commissaire is like, oh, I've got 10 quid on the French win in here. I'm going <laughs> to hold you back a bit. <laughs> I certainly hope not. <laughs> not. Not insinuating that there's corruption in the sport. Oh. <laughs> um, I suppose sort of the last sort of thing we talk about is Tokyo a bit more. Um, obviously, we can't go into details about what you do, unfortunately, as much as I ask. Um, but what, 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 who's going to upset? What's going to happen? In the team sprint? Team sprint. Um, you know what? Like, and this is not me sort of dodging the answer. It's, it's the most unpredictable event or, or sprint, particularly team sprint, because... The team pursuit, for example, you see the the teams drop in their split times, and you can do it for a number of laps. Whereas team sprint, you kind of you're making inferences of where you're projecting to be. Um, I think going off worlds with um, Lafarge reti- retiring from sprint and going to team pursuit, aka wannabe Johnny Whale. Um, Poor man, me, poor, yeah, poor man's really well. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure he's amazing, whatever. That, whatever. I, I, I can warn you, Quentin, if you're listening, like that's a niche you don't want to be in. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, um, well, since they since he's kind of pulled out, um, I think you know it will be out of um, the British, the Aussies, the, the Dutch. And you know, the French, um, maybe Russia. Are you just it's... naming everyone on the start list? <laughs> yeah, I'm reading it now. I can't remember my the last three. So, yeah. <laughs> um, saying it's it's going to be a bit open. open to the, the women's world. one, there seems to be like a, like assuming everything goes how I'm predicting it's going to go, it's, it's you know, Germany, uh, China, and Russia are kind of a cut above the rest since Stephanie Morton's retired. So, um, you know, there's always, there can always be a surprise. I can just read out the rest of the start list if you want, but I'll save that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you, it'll be out of them three for the gold. Because obviously, like, uh, um, with a... Because there's three rounds, basically, to win a team sprint, isn't there? Um, yes, and it's much different to team pursuit, the rules. Go on. So, so, um, so team sprint, you qualify, and you get ranked one to eight. And then you go into the heats, and then it's one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five, and you have to win your heat to go th- to be even considered for the medal ride-offs. And then it's the top two fastest winners go against each other for the medal, uh, gold medal and silver medal, and then the third and fourth fastest winners who go against each other. So technically, you can ride a terrible qualifying time and the second fastest time in the heats 
and not get to a, a ride for a medal because you've lost in the heats. So the, the you can um, is is there any tactics involved in that? Because obviously that that sounds pretty like easy to manipulate. Because if you've got three rounds within, you only get like 30, 40 minutes between them. Yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty grim. So like, but if if you can qualify, <laughs> if you can qualify eighth, but then still get a gold medal by winning your heat in the semi, because you still get through. Could you could you not just do like a, a you know just toodle around and have a little zone zone two jolly, and then save yourself a race basically. Yeah, and particularly in the Olympics when there's only eight riders, mm-hmm. eight teams. Sorry, so you could just go off and uh, yeah, and just you know when you're yeah, and just just soft yeah, it. just have a yeah, yeah have yeah. a warm up uh, sort of thing, or you can false start twice and get relegated. And be ranked eighth. Um, why? Why haven't I thought about this before? And why isn't anyone going to do it? Maybe they're going to do it. Maybe we're going to listen to this podcast and do yeah, it. Yeah, actually, that's a, that's a new no. But, but you, <laughs> you would have to race against the best team who ranked first. But if you backed yourself as the best, yeah. But you'd have to seriously back yourself. <laughs> but you still have to get the top. You have to get the top two times anyway, don't you? So it's it doesn't. To get that goal, yeah, but generally final. speaking, like if it's quite a repeatable, and I know it's, I know it's grim like within 30 to 40 minutes, but it's quite a repeatable event. So, generally, you can do it within a tenth if, you, if you're prepared and fully focused or whatever. So, um, yeah, generally, it's repeatable. But <laughs> I mean, if someone's got the balls to do that, they have my respect <laughs> and then my lack of respect if they get beaten in the foot. <laughs> it's like you're, you're either a hero or a <laughs> you Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you hang around the long enough, you end up going to be the, the loser or the villain. That's, that's the next the many method, that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've got a rider that can't back up well, so we'll just miss one of the rounds. <laughs> Don't worry, I've got just the plan for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've obviously, for the Dutch, you've got four people down for the team sprint um yeah is that, are you going to be well like is it is, is rotating a rider an advantage for that it depends um some would argue no some would argue yes um it gives us an extra person we can ride an individual event so um we still have two representatives but we have a selection of three rather than two mm. Well, actually, we have, to have a section of four rather than two. Uh, there are than three. Because I suppose um, so at, at, at Worlds, I sort of refer to as you, um, Worlds in Berlin in 19 or whatever it was before COVID happened, yep. um, you used four riders in the team sprint. You put Buckley in as well. Rested Hoogland for the semi, wasn't it? Where is sort of the GB they no, had? No, no, it was, it was Buckley first. But you know, either way, like you use four riders, whereas GB only used three riders. Is that is that is that a sort of a, a win in your camp, or is that? Can you no. say it's quite repeatable? Yeah, because if you look at the GB's times, they weren't like a million miles off each round. They were, yeah, yeah, they were quite close to each other. So no, I wouldn't actually. Fair one. Because I know for them, team pursuit, it's if you can swap someone in that's good enough, you do it. You know. Um, yeah, but I think that's. I mean, it would both be grim. Team pursuit, like you really get exposed in the last K. Not, not exposed. What I mean by that is, like you know, your your fitness, your form. Like, is the speed sustainable? And it all blows up. And once you kind of really blow up, you you're gone. And technically, it's the same in team sprint. Like, if you get dropped 
twice and a man three or a rider three and somehow make it to the final. God knows how you'd make it to the final, but okay, let's just assume <laughs> you did. Um, yeah, that would be horrendous. It's not. I'd be that, impressed though. <laughs> it, 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 you'd still do the for for that sort of team sprint role. You you would do more power if you got dropped earlier in the race, to try and catch up with you, and that's it leaves you exposed to sort of parking basically at the end. Yeah, that, so, so basically, if you get dropped, you're essentially doing a standing 750 time trial, yeah. which anyone who's done a kilo would know that after the second lap, where you kind of feel like you're a hero, you <laughs> hero status is diminished and you feel absolutely terrible and feel like you're pedaling in treacle um, for the last lap. Fake news, Manny. Third lap's where you get your fast slapping. Keep accelerating. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean... Um, you're 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 a niche of a niche then. But, um, me, me, me and Quinton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's curious, like, because I, I mean, in in my head, that that means you must lit. These guys must literally be like relaxing, you know, like they're 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 doing seventy five k an hour, and they're like, all right. And if you if you see the power I see on, on their power meters, when they get it right, and you know when they're just chilling in the wheels, and then what they can punch it to afterwards, it's. You can sort of see the turns it's, in the it's, power file. It's fascinating. Like, yeah, because you, you see, even torque traces, like in real time, leech crank, like you, you see like how, I don't know what the word is. I hate using the word phenomenal, but, or, or like, uh, yeah, freakish or. Very good. Like, ama- amazing. Mm. Yeah, exceptionally good. All the adjectives are, <laughs> and you know what? I I just really like to get like a, an average cyclist like on man three and some of these guys and just film it and just go how tough this is. Because mm. if people look at tracks like oh, I can do that, like um, father-in-law was like get him to pedal faster. <laughs> and I was like, not quite how it works, but okay. Um, and it is like it's 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 it's, inc- it's incredible like yeah. what these guys can do. It, it, like looks, the, it looks it looks slow points. on TV, doesn't it? You see it in like real life, and you can see how fast they actually go around the bends. It's pretty crazy in real life, isn't it? It is, and like the, you know, when the sound it makes, some, yeah. And when you see the riders really, really going fast, like uh, insane speeds, mm-hmm. um, like taking that those corners are incredible. Like the amount they have to kind of lean <laughs> is is really impressive. Yeah, brave boys. You've got to trust your mechanic. And your equipment. <laughs> and your equipment. Um, right, anyway, I think we're going to leave it there, Manny, if that's all right. Um, like I said earlier, we're going to try and bring you back for sort of a, a more medicordy based one in a bit, hopefully, um, after you've got your, your little event that you've got finished. Yeah, this Tim Pot event. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to go for dinner now, which one of the, the biggest letdowns of the Olympics, I thought it would be a food hall 24-7 with at least a Mackey D's where I could just slide out to and, you know, have a few fillet fishes. But <laughs> in, in, the, in, the cycling, uh, in the cycling village, uh, it's just, honestly, I don't think I've had a different meal. Like, it's, I go, I, I get my gloves. And by the way, let me be, uh, <laughs> get something straight here. I'm very thankful the Olympics are on. I'm very happy 
etc etc you just want to hear all these it. stories <laughs> yeah i just like I, I hear all these previous olympic stories and i just want my makis or like some japanese food but instead I, I go straight to the salad bar get exactly the same salad i've got for the past week um i'm an about some healthy food get some pizzas get a bit of bland chicken um and then crack and go for the ice cream that's <laughs> it in your little uh cubicle isn't it <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like you know in those prisons where you, you have like the, the perspex glass and the phone. It's like that, but without the phone. <laughs> it's like the, the socially awkward person's dream, Matt. <laughs> just, yeah, no touching. Yeah. No touching. <laughs> but, but yeah, but obviously it's um, especially because of COVID, you know, people are kind of, it's filling up now, but yeah, everyone's trying to, keep distance you know whatever that even means now um but yeah i think it's been all right so far and i also tried to look if there's only delivery or just eat and there isn't so <laughs> definitely for this one now yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the the suffering that uh, goes alongside elite sport <laughs> <laughs> yeah all the sacrifices <laughs> people like me have to make no no, I, no in all seriousness like I, I'm very very happy that it's going ahead it's been well organised uh, the, the, it does at least the people I've seen are very very friendly and wavy which is really good because uh, I quite like waving too um, but yeah it's just um, the, the food is a bit uh, samey is that something that would upset an athlete like and I remember like some of the events that we went to in KGF days and it's like the Belarus was the example when you're on like buck- <laughs> gruel. Were we saying <laughs> buckwheat day five? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not that good. No, no, it's it's you know what? It's good for an elite athlete because it's all kind of plain foods and you know generally healthy. Um, it's just I would well, firstly we're in Japan. I would, I would like to try some Japanese food rather than having um, spaghetti as <laughs> my main. Um, but but yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I got into this topic. Maybe, I'm <laughs> maybe we'll edit it. Maybe we won't. <laughs> we'll see. Who cares? Is this? We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you in trouble with Jen if you're uh, craving your mackies. No, no, she's cool with it. All right, we might leave I've it got my there. dad bods, and I'm yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna keep it until at least the Olympics are over. <laughs> nice one. Anyway, thanks for your time, Meddy, and um, thank we'll you, chat Again soon. All right. I hope so. Take care.